0: In 2022 and prior, they had what they call bonus depreciation, where if you had 15-year property, you can write it off in the first year. So you can get a, a vast deduction of depreciation against all your income and carry it forward. From an accounting standpoint, the IRS even looks at cost segregation as the proper way to do it because now you're breaking out the parts of the house. They want to know what your pipes are, what your electrical is, and what your roof is, how much is for the roof.
1: Welcome to the Cash Flow for Life podcast. We believe there are two types of people in this world people that have greater cash flow coming in every single month, or people who have cash flow going out. We believe you need to be the type of person that has cash flow coming in, and that is what this podcast is all about. Our mantra is simple if you take care of real estate for the first five years, real estate will take care of you for the rest of your life. If you're looking to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing, you're in the right place. Andrew Holmes, a renowned expert in the field, is your guide on this journey. Andrew is the driving force behind National RE Invest, the largest real estate investors association in the United States. Together, we're here to help you build wealth and create more cash flow in your life. Let's get into the show.
2: Today, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Mark John Pizzullo, an accomplished accountant deeply immersed in the realm of real estate investment. Mark brings forth a unique perspective at the intersection of finance and property investment that is enlightening. John shares his journey, highlighting pivotal moments that have significantly shaped his understanding of real estate investing. He takes us through anecdotes of navigating the market, especially during the challenging times of the 2008 downturn, emphasizing the importance of resilient investment strategies that withstand market fluctuations. We delve into the core principles guiding his investment decisions, where John underscores the significance of cash flow, equity, and the maintenance of a healthy debt coverage ratio (DCR) as paramount metrics. His approach contrasts with the conventional focus on property appreciation and tax benefits, offering a refreshing take on sustainable investment practices with an impressive portfolio comprising 35 rentals in Illinois. John generously shares insights into his strategy, aiming for a consistent $500 net cash flow per property. He details how he prioritizes sustainable cash flow over exclusively relying on tax advantages, showcasing a meticulous yet highly effective investment methodology. Our conversation navigates through the complexities of entity structures, where John breaks down the nuances between LLCs, s Corps, and their practical implications for real estate investors. His ability to simplify these intricate structures provides practical Pragmatic advice tailored to different investment scales. Furthermore, John dissects the classifications of real estate investors passive, active, and professionals, clarifying the distinct tax implications and strategies best suited for each category. His expertise shines as he emphasizes the importance of active involvement in the real estate business to optimize tax benefits and overall investment success. Join me and John, it's a conversation filled with valuable takeaways you won't want to miss.
0: John, welcome. Thank you for inviting me.
3: Definitely. So, John, uh, kind of before we get into specifically investing, accounting, what your views are on how we should be doing things, why did you come to investing? Because we've made kind of, I picked on you a lot of times. Accountants are pretty boring people, right? Sure. And they f- try to find reasons why not to do something versus why. Uh, to do something. So, and you happen to be a bona fide real estate investor, right? How did you come about to getting into real estate?
0: Well, not just an accountant, I'm a CPA too. Oh, okay, yeah. And I have my own company. So we have uh, about two CPAs, uh, actually three CPAs, an enrolled agent, a couple of bookkeepers, and uh, we've been in business for about 45 years now. But during that point in time, some of my clients were real estate investors, and you see people come in, other business owners and real estate investors, and you see how they're doing, and uh, they seem to be doing good. Now, they were just your typical one or two or three uh, rentals, but they seem to be working good and building up some some wealth. So I bought a property uh, back before 2008 and worked with that. I uh, had a rental on it, uh, had the mortgage on it, and went through 2008. Eight with the with the depressed prices, and I still had my rental. So it proved it to me that it would work. I never lost any money on it, and uh, kept going good. So to frame
3: this right, uh, two thousand eight, everything crashes, okay. and you carry that property through that. So even though the price came down, your rental income didn't dry up.
0: No, not at all. We bought it this, this property. We bought for one eighty five. Price went down to ninety thousand dollars. So right. if I sold, I would have been stuck. I would have made a loss. But the rental I had, more than paid for the mortgage throughout the entire time, the person had to live someplace. So they had to pay the rent and uh, we kept things going.
3: Got it. So, and then you show up around us, mm-hmm. right? Now, I tend to be a little bit more, and a lot of times you're, when you're speaking for our people, you're trying to educate them, you're trying to entertain them all at the same time, right? But the views that sometimes I have don't match the traditional way of looking at how people look at real estate, right? I mean, so I want to kind of break that down. so. You're buying real estate based on three things. Number one, cash flow. Number two, equity. Mm-hmm. And number three, your DCR has to hit. Correct. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in the traditional investment world, people buy it based on appreciation and they buy it because it's a tax write off. Right. Right. We don't look at it. So, can you explain that from your view? Because that's a different mindset how we buy real estate.
0: So, that's the difference between what my clients were doing and what I eventually ended up doing. They were buying because they, get taught that property will appreciate over a period of time so therefore pay your 20 percent down get your rents as long as your rent paid your mortgage in 20 30 years you'd have a property free and clear but when i went into it i went into more of the cash flow value i want to make sure i was getting money out of it that would pay for it and keep going through so um when i buy a property i don't look so much at depreciation yeah the appreciation is good but it's a secondary thing Primary is that I have uh, twenty-five, uh, twenty to twenty-five percent equity in it, and sometimes twenty percent uh some cash left in it. But most of the time is you get the equity in there, but you want to make sure that the mortgage you have on it, plus the rent, or the rent less the mortgage, and real estate taxes, you're getting a cash flow out of it. So that you, every month you're getting a paycheck. Money goes into the account and you have enough surplus out there to keep going through. Uh, what you meant is as far as uh, uh dcr uh, as far as the uh, value of it you want to make sure your rents are covering your your cost
3: so, okay so to put this in perspective right i mean you're not somebody who t- today i mean you play it down quite a bit right that's just your personality right but i mean how many rentals do you have today we have 35 rentals in illinois okay in illinois you have 35 rentals you have another office in vegas right. so you're doing some investing there uh, and well, then yeah, that's my house. That is your house. Okay. And then you're obviously now building in Florida. In Florida. Right. Yeah. So just in Illinois for 34 properties. Uh, now, obviously, some of them are coming online, right, as we speak. But when it's all settled, right, what is that cash flow every single month
0: net? The cash flow for each property, we try to get $500 per property. Okay.
3: In, and, and so net. 34 properties. Will net you sixteen thousand or so a month?
0: Right, net. a thirty-four, five under
3: rehab. Well, uh, sure. I mean, th- those are just coming online. Mm-hmm. But the reason I'm pointing that out specifically: a lot of times when people think about rental properties, especially everyday bread and butter rentals, they don't realize you don't need a lot of properties. Guys, that sixteen thousand net cash flow. This is not tax depreciation. This is not any of the financial games. See, going and and this is something I want you to address, which is a lot of times people say, well, but Andrew, you know, I buy real estate because I get tax advantages. I'm like, you don't own a factory. You don't build a factory to get tax advantages. You do it because inherently it makes sense. Any of the benefits are above uh, can you speak to that right
0: yeah i mean you hear of the tax advantage of depreciation you can take off the properties you can take other expenses uh with the properties itself but yes you can do that but it, it helps i mean if you want to have a, you want to have a tax write-off you can get a loss on your rentals right you, you have a two thousand dollar mortgage but only have a thousand dollar rent i mean that's easy to do uh but uh i'm not in it for the tax advantage per se it helps uh, they got cost segregation, you have depreciation you can take, you can take your mileage and things like that. But that's over and above what the basic model is. The basic model is is, is the cash flow coming through to that plus build up the equity. Got it. So uh,
3: because a lot of times, so why is it like, uh, you know, you num- number one, you jumped in, you saw your clients doing something and then you jumped into it and you've kind of done it, right? I mean, you're every
0: year. Six, seven, six, seven. If not more properties, you're buying right. religiously, right? right. Why I, is when it? When I first jumped in, I jumped right. in not under the the mastery cash flow right. method. I jumped in under paying twenty percent down and doing it, uh, making break even.
3: Right, doing it your way, right? And then you kind of adopted our way of doing it, which is you're buying properties with equity, so that when you're refinancing, your money is all out, right? Okay. Right. So why is it like uh, people like you? Right, and uh, as much as we kind of uh, laugh at about that, is that people like accountants, attorneys, real estate professionals—you're connected to the business, right? You're connected on the fu- on the tech side, obviously. Why is it that people who are in the profession, right, and these are intelligent people—these are not people that are—I mean, they've clearly gone to school. You spend some time. Why is it that they give advice that yet they don't have anything to show for it?
0: I have five real estate. <laughs> Uh, uh brokers uh agents that uh, clients and they will not invest in real estate i don't right. know why uh, we keep telling them it says it can't be done it can't be done but yet we show them right it's just i think it's a mental attitude okay it. uh same way with the, the lawyers they know that you can do uh different contracts and creative financing but they don't want to get involved in right, right. They, they think it's too much outside the box once you get into it it's very easy i mean picked up a property last week and uh easy. It's just you know, and, you uh, get, get an addiction to it. Imagine, right. but yes. And I think
3: what it is, is that uh, like a lot of times, you know, and, and the reason I ask that question is that genuinely we're supposed to be, it's like when you go to a doctor, right, you're supposed to respect the doctor. You're supposed to follow their advice. When you go to an accountant, right, you're supposed to have, because if I don't respect you, then why am I going to follow your advice, mm-hmm. right? And you think a lot of times that, hey, you have my best interest at heart. Right. And hopefully, but a lot of times what I feel from my end is that sometimes people will give you advice. But if they don't understand how your business is run, how it's structured, I'm not sure if it's
0: necessarily the best advice if they have never done what you've done. Right. Would, would that be correct? that be correct. The person who has one or two rentals, they don't want to get into the rental business right. because they don't want to get messy with you. Right, and so they just keep the one or two rentals they got. They figure they can handle that, and they go for the tax advantage. And a lot of those people, they're high level people. There's not that much tax advantage, right? To them. Correct. But uh, uh, it's a it's a shelter where they can put their money. Once you get into it, uh, and you, you drink the Kool Aid per se, um, and, and start working with more properties, you then see that it, it's very creative. Uh, it, it's creative, but it's basic knowledge, and you can take it. From Quick cutter from one house to the next house to the next house on a purchase. My typical purchases are, are very drab, not glorified. I'd say your three bedroom, one bath, four bedroom, maybe two bath house on a slab is the majority of my properties. We do have some other houses, right. uh, bigger and better, but uh, your basic, easy- Everyday bread and butter properties. Four walls. Yeah, four walls. That's what right. you're looking for.
3: Right. So now let's talk about, because I know everybody listening to this is like, okay, okay, let's talk about some LLCs. Let's talk about S-Corps. Let's talk about, so a lot of times when people are new, we all want, okay, give me that one thing that's going to make me rich. Give me that one thing that's the best way of doing things. A lot of times it's a little bit more complicated than that, right? But generally when you look at, say, LLCs, S-Corps, whatever, if you were to generically talk about it, how do you look at it?
0: Uh, from the standpoint, Is you have those three flavors. You got the LLC, you have the S-Corp, you got a C-Corp, but C-Corps are part of this. With the LLC, and I'm sorry, and then you got your own name, things right. like that. When you're first starting out, the easiest way to do it is just buy the property in your own name, get a loan on it, and work that route. Once you get a few properties, the LLC is really there to maintain your property so that you can have some, uh, I'm not a lawyer, uh, so have some uh, protection against it. But the main thing is you have the LLC after the fact, after your first couple of properties. And then you get to a point where you just use the LLCs for your properties. The S-Corp is the same way. If you're going to do Airbnb or uh, flipping, the uh, S-Corp is, is a good way to go too. It's the same type of deal. You can first get the property in your name, get started. You don't have to throw the money into it to, uh, to to get the structures.
3: So you're saying something very simple. You're like, hey, man, get some properties in your name, which is you're doing, you're buying the properties, even if you get some hard money on the front end. I mean, obviously, if you're from mastery, you'll get private money, right? And you can refinance it in your name. Now, obviously, some there's a crowd out there that's listening to it, right? So if they've been on forums, if they've been on uh, YouTube will oh, never buy a property. You're going to get sued. Oh my God, the tax liability on it, right? What do you say to that? Because a lot of times you have to, I mean, we'll laugh about that, that, hey, listen, get good insurance, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the first place. And at the end of the day, your expenses and expenses and expenses, doesn't matter how you play games with it, is what is the difference between if I buy the property in an LLC from an accounting perspective versus if I buy the property in my name? And I have the same expenses at the end of the day.
0: Between LLC and your own name, uh, very minor difference. You still get the same expenses, you get the same uh, income coming through, it flows down into your individual tax return. Taxes are the same. So there's no difference. It's more of a safety feature correct. for the future.
3: But yeah. right. So it's there are a few different things that people have to think about. You have asset segregation. You're segregating, you say, 30 properties, right? You're segregating five per LLC. That's how we do it. Some people will do it differently, right? You may do it a little bit differently. And then there is asset protection. And then there's accounting. These are three different things, right? And you have to find the right
0: balance. Would you say that'd be but correct? I, that's correct, but I want to go back. You mentioned insurance. Insurance is the number one thing to do. You want to make sure you have the insurance from day one, but not only regular building insurance, you want to make sure you have liability insurance on yourself. Plus, get an umbrella policy. An umbrella policy will cover you for anything over and above your normal insurance. So even if you're sued on that property or that entity, and it's a million-dollar lawsuit, but you only have $300,000 insurance, your umbrella would take care Correct. of that too. Right. So but the it, way... It, so yeah, I'm just saying that right. uh, you go the personal route versus the LLC route, you're still going to have the insurance on the right. LLC Correct. too. Correct. So it's just... A, and that's the pr- level of protection. Yeah. So level one is, let's
3: say you're buying a 200,000 proper, uh, uh, property, you have a million dollars in liability protection, right? That's what you have on all your properties. And then in addition to that, you have an umbrella on top of it, right? So... And guys, this is this crazy notion of, oh my God, you have to be scared all the time. Guys, there are every hotel that is a Marriott owned, it has a big sign called Marriott, right? They don't hide who they are, right? Everything is public knowledge. There's nothing wrong you're doing if you run your business by the book. There's no reason to be scared of running a good legitimate business, right? So this is gonna get me to, I'm not gonna mention the names. There's a pretty well-known company out of Vegas right? <laughs> uh, you know, you're laughing. You're right talking, down the street from me. <laughs> right down the street from your office, right? And the, the whole concept of this is, oh, my God, you're going to get sued. How do you protect yourself? How do you hide yourself? Like This is the basic concept on which this whole thing operates. You need a Wyoming holding company. Then you have a company in Illinois. Then you have a company in Florida. These complicated structures, what is this for?
0: It's for if you're going to have large apartment buildings, uh, hotels, things right. like that. Yes, it makes sense. But to have uh, a few dozen single-family residents doesn't make sense, or duplexes, or four flats. Uh, I don't see that. Because in Illinois, if you have a rental in Illinois, you have to report that to the state. They, right. they know where you're at. And now there's a new rule coming through uh, Securities FinCEN, uh, right. where they want to know who owns all these properties, one right. way or the other. Right, uh, it's really. I think it's out there, but it's nothing's really being done with it. But eventually, that uh, animosity, uh, I'm sorry,
3: and uh, anonymity, anonymity,
0: right. um, will be going away. Right. Um, so even if you have your LLC out in in Vegas and in and Wyoming, you know, but you're doing business here in, in Illinois, people are going to know where to find you. Plus, they're going to knock on the door. You're going to see where the rent checks are going to, and they're going to track you down. I mean, it's right. <laughs> very this, simple. I no, mean, yeah. this,
3: this idea, you know, and, and this is something, if you're a big celebrity, right? If you some big, huge celebrity, and you're buying a big mansion somewhere, and you have a bunch of attorneys on staff, big, you know, big firms, they're going to put it in a trust and they're going to do all this stuff. Guys, listen, if you want to buy a couple million worth of real estate, you want to be worth 10, 15, 20, 30 million bucks, there's no reason to make it this complicated. Right. right, you. I mean, you can protect yourself 100% with insurance. That's the first level of protection. Now, the other thing comes up is this whole idea of LLC in the structures and then the series LLC, right? What's your take on that? Because this is going to depend on the state
0: you're in. It does. Illinois, their LLCs cost a lot of money back 10 years ago. So I got a, a series LLC. A series LLC, you would pay for one LLC and then... Every envelope underneath it, you pay like fifty bucks or so. Uh, it was uh, the big thing back ten years ago uh, to do. So you can sec- put each your five properties in each series, and you be set. Nowadays, LLCs and Illinois are pretty cheap. Pretty cheap. So yeah.
3: that's probably I, one I good series.
0: But my new yeah. LLCs I got coming in, I do have more outside of that. Series. Just
3: yeah. separate LLCs. Yeah. Now with you, obviously, you're in the business right? You can run your books properly. You can do things properly, hopefully, because you're a, you know, this is what you do for a living, right? Do you prefer to put one per LLC? Do you no. do it? We do five, right? We do a million dollars approximately per
0: LLC, right? Is that, how do you do it for you? You know, the shoemaker who keeps his kids shoeless, right? <laughs> As a CPA, okay, we try to get five in each Okay. Each thing But, you know, I mean, it's sometimes easier to buy it in one entity. So right. sometimes I have 10 and then we move it over. But right. Yeah. Right. But yes, uh, you want to have five or six in each entity. And then, um, because then that envelope is further protection. And then again, not a lawyer, but further protection because now you put it in different envelopes here than just one whole big ocean that they can uh, pull from. The um, LLC structure. If you keep it with just one, then you're paying too much for each LLC, for each property, it doesn't matter. I mean, you got one property and an LLC doesn't doesn't make sense.
1: Are you enjoying the show thus far? You know what they say, knowledge is not power, but rather it's the application of knowledge that is power. That's why we are excited to announce the new dates for our Build Your Empire three-day conference and property tour. At this game-changing event, you'll discover how to build lasting wealth with real estate. Learn step-by-step methods, avoid common mistakes, and get insights from dozens of real estate and financial experts. If you are listening to the podcast, you know that real estate is a team sport, and we're here to introduce you to the local pros who can help you every step of the way. This event is your opportunity to walk through active real estate deals in Chicago and nearby neighborhoods. And the best part is, you can either attend live or virtually go to andrewhomesevents.com and get your early bird tickets now. At the event, you'll see properties being transformed into flips, rentals, or wholesale properties, giving you a rare and valuable learning experience outside the classroom. Meet and learn from successful students who've profited from our mentorship. Hear their stories and struggles, and discover how you can follow in their footsteps, regardless of your background or experience, and so much more. We also have a VIP package that will give you access to our exclusive networking sessions and an opportunity to connect and meet with Andrew himself. Plus, we even give you a hot lunch all of the days you are there. For more information and to secure your spot, visit andrewhomesevents.com. We sell out every time, so don't miss this opportunity to transform your real estate career. We will see you at our next event. And now, back to the show.
3: So, What we're talking about is this, like think about it. this, like John, right? You have 30 something property, 34 properties. What are you going to do? You're going to have 34 different LLCs and you're going to have one property per. In your property, you're making 500 bucks minimum per property, right? Now you have for this year, guys, you're making $6,000. What is the cost of doing accounting for each LLC? Imagine the amount of bank accounts, Right. I mean, like I have 30 bank accounts, but just because of the amount of different things and I have five or six per LLC properties, but it's a nightmare to be able to keep track of. Right. And so you've got to try to make it simple and not more complicated.
0: Right. And it, if you put one in each LLC, then the accounting, you have one bank account. Each right. LLC. Right. And then- Likewise, it gets too complicated.
3: It, it gets too, it's, it's a nightmare of a scenario. So a lot of times my point uh, with all of this is that there's a practical aspect of doing something and then there's an aspect of selling a seminar, right? In a seminar, <laughs> in, in a, you know, a three-day type of thing you go to, the more complicated and convoluted things are, the more people are like, oh my God, I need that, right? And a lot of times people who have the least amount of properties Have the most complex structures. Right. And there's no need for that. There's no need for that, right? There's no tax advantages. So, and a lot of another idea that is promoted all the time, like, Andrew, you know, man, I'm not going to pay as much taxes. I'm like, listen, number one, how much is your income? Let's let's first talk about what do you actually make, right? If you don't make anything, don't worry about it because you're not paying much taxes, anyways, right? Because I think a lot of times people, in trying to number one, protect themselves and in trying to quote-unquote, not pay taxes, they spend most of the time there rather than actually creating something. Would you agree with that?
0: Correct. You're you just running uh, the gambit uh, to run it, to do it. It doesn't make any sense.
3: Right. In circles. Right. Okay. So what would your, from kind of where you said, right today, uh, what would your advice be for somebody that wants to get started? Right, uh, Because a lot of times people are like, well, do I... Need an LLC? Do I need an S-Corp? What is the right way of doing it? What is the perfect way of doing it?
0: Or would you just say, no, you got to get started somewhere? Well, going back to the entity structure, we didn't get into this. An LLC, if you... you know, I'm sorry, let's go first. First off is just jump and get a property. in okay. your name, piece of cake. Uh, just got to start someplace. The LLC structure, and then if you don't know what you're going to do with that property, whether you're going to rent it, Airbnb it, or um, flip it, wholesale, things like that. You can change your, you can get the LLC structure. An LLC is really a disregarded entity. You can make it whatever you want. If it's just an LLC for a single member, it just goes on your individual return. It doesn't even show up anywhere. If it's an LLC as a partnership to more people, then you have a separate tax return and you can do partnership stuff. You can also make your LLC an S Corp. So if you're Airbnb or you're flipping, you can make that election too. So you don't have to become a corporation. To become an s-corp you can take your llc to the s-corp now it's really a one-time move decision to make but at least if you get an llc within that first year you can decide what your entity is going to be like or what you're going to be doing with
3: it so it's interesting you said that uh a llc versus an s-corp right that is there a different tax treatment when you're doing a flip obviously your tax you're going to pay a little bit is there a different treatment in terms of doing it from an LLC versus an S-Corp. And you mentioned specifically regarding a
0: flip and an Airbnb. Right. For flipping, wholesaling, and Airbnb, you're in in a business. Uh, So therefore, um, it's active business. You uh, would be paying uh, payroll taxes and things like that. To lower the payroll taxes and to shelter that money just on a W-2, the S-Corp would be the way to go for that because you're an active business just like uh, my CPA. Company um, or any manufacturing company, uh, it's active business. You have pay, have employees, you have uh, transactions going through, and it works that way. In LLC, you can do the flips in the LLC and the Airbnb in the LLC, but that income that comes through because it's active, you're paying social security taxes on all of it, versus what you can do in the S corp. So that's why the S corp is more for the active business where you're flipping, making. Uh, in general, if you're flipping one or two a year and you're only making fifty thousand dollars, the LLC will be fine. But if you're flipping where you're making more than a hundred thousand dollars, the S corp is is uh it's better preferred structure, structure. Preferred structure. Okay, got it. And um, a lot
3: of times, I mean, this is something that I see all the time. I'm like, the less moving parts that you have, right, the easier it is going to be. Because a lot of times, what people don't think about it, this is never brought up, is the practicality of doing business. Mm-hmm. Right, that how are you actually going to conduct business? You're buying a property in Illinois, and supposedly you have this holding company in Vegas or you know Wyoming, Delaware, all this craziness. What people seem to forget is who's going to give you a
0: loan on it? Right, and, and that's even a difference between the S Corp and the Partnership LLC, uh, and especially now you got the extra entity in, in Wyoming. So the bank will want to make sure they got paperwork on everybody who's associated with that LLC and any LLC that owns it. Uh, Take, for instance, uh, my daughter, she's in in mastery now, too, and we have partnerships together. Well, it used to be when I buy a property, I just sign my LLC and piece of paper with the bank. And they're happy because I am the owner of that LLC and I can buy the property, I can make the decisions. Now, my daughter's part of it, and now we got to get her signature on things, and I get my signature on things uh, for everything that goes through. If we had an entity that owned the partnership, now we would have to break out that part, uh, entity and then get further documentation with the banks and, and the lenders uh again, adding extra uh, layers to you now, do the layers work when you're sued extra hurdles to go over, I guess. But, right. uh... Listen, it, it, they work. The problem is this, right? If
3: you're American Airlines and you have airplanes flying all around the world, you have huge amount of liability. Clearly, probably they need to think about different business structures rather than you and I, right? But guys, to buy real estate, to buy, it's simple, right? You have a property you own in Illinois. Something, let's just say somebody, something simple happens. Somebody breaks their hand, something happens. What's going to happen? At the end of the day, you're going to turn it over to your insurance company, right? Your insurance company is going to deal with it. You have proper insurance. There's nothing to be scared of there. You're not doing anything wrong. And these are everyday accidents that happen. There's normal, called running a normal business, right? These are not things you're not afraid to get in your car and drive. Where There's a lot more liability in that than anything else you can do. We all get in a five, 6,000 pound vehicle. We're driving 80 miles an hour. Right. And I think what a lot of this is hype and nonsense to sell books and tapes and courses. I'm not against that. But I think we have to keep it. What is reasonable for a business? Right. And a uh, lot of times people focus so much effort on, oh, my God, something's going to happen to me that you don't even
0: do anything. And you want to look at it. So it's a you want to see what the risk is with, versus reward. I mean, you talk about that Vegas company. I listen to them. I right. watch their podcast, but does it make sense for me? No. Right. no. I mean,
3: no. And the and reason I'm saying that is, a lot, it's very attractive. I've done it. I mean, at one time in my mm-hmm. life when I had nothing, I'm like, oh yeah, before I become a multi-gazillionaire, I'm going to basically protect myself. Protect myself for what? From who? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, you don't buy insurance uh, in Canada if you live in the United States, right? You got to uh, think about that a lot of times that what are we doing and to what end, right? So having said that, is there anything else you think on your end that we haven't touched on? Because I know this is a very wide topic if we go down
0: uh, that path, but anything from your end? Well, just on the LLC, the structure sure. between my, uh, myself and my daughter. So like I said, if you have a single member LLC, it's a lot easier to get the loans and everything going through. So you should always have one out there. I mean, it's, it's uh, very easy to buy the property, you do it quickly, you get the deposits going through and things like that. What you don't want to do is have the LLC perhaps with you and your spouse, because now you're a partnership. There's a ways around it, but you're really a partnership at that point in time. And again, the bank is going to want both signatures. Well, if your spouse is right there and you're right there, it might make life easier, but it's, uh, it's still easier if you're just on your own. Okay, and got you it. Have her have one LSC, you have another LSC, and then you just keep going.
3: Got it. Okay. Um, and then uh,
0: w- w- another thing is, because
3: you had talked about this uh, at one time, right? Um, another topic we talk about uh, that comes up a lot of times uh, is cost segregation, mm-hmm. right? Again, cost segregation is talked about this magic thing where this is, like, oh, my God, you know, you don't have to pay taxes. It's like, guys, hey, listen, if you earn income, you have to pay taxes. If you have depreciation against it, you get to take that into account. You have some losses; you get to take that into account. What is this magic about cost segregation that is talked about as "Oh my God, this is just suddenly found money"?
0: What is? And I'm, no, 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 I'm one of those. I, yeah, okay. I think it's really good. Okay. Uh, there's some people that don't believe in it. So, but cost segregation. So when you buy a property and you you rent it out, you're gonna take depreciation on. it. And mind you, make sure you take the depreciation. I mean, you talk about my clients that come sure. in. We'll pick up a client and they'll forget about the depreciation. And they never heard of depreciation over the past seven years. So we have to go back and do that. So you always want to make sure you're taking depreciation. But- so hold on. Let's, let's, let's explain depreciation first.
3: Right. So I'm going to lay out a scenario and then you explain it. So here's what depreciation is, because sometimes this is a very important point. People are going to miss it. So depreciation means I buy a property and I'm going to keep it simple 200,000. We say that the land is worth 60,000, mm-hmm. right? And then 140,000 is allocated towards the built structure, right? Right? So explain first why do we separate the two or why does the IRS make you separate the two?
0: The IRS makes you separate the two and realistically you have land and you got building. Land is not depreciable. Land will be land and you cannot expense out the land. The rest the building entity uh, structure itself, uh, you get to write off, take a non-cash uh, expense on your books over the 27 and a half years. So you divide that by 27 and a half. Like 5, so 140,000, if we divide that by
3: 27 and a half, uh, is going to be five, four, about 3,800 or something five, like that five, five, a year, right? So you're taking 140,000, which is the value of the building, and you're depreciating on a depreciating schedule, of 27.5 years, right? And so that's going to give you a value. And that value is what you can depreciate all the way for 27 and a half. What is it, $5,800? Okay, so $5,800. Okay, so now, John, let's assume that we have a income on this property, right, of uh, let's say $6,000 a year. Right, So I make $6,000. So this is after PITI. My net is $500 a month.
0: That's $6,000 a year. Now what happens? Off off your $6,000 of income, you now get to deduct the $5,800.
3: So you're
0: left with a taxable income of about $200.
3: So on this particular case, I'm left with, this is why this is important, right? Which is you have $500 a month in cash flow net after expenses. Then, so for the year, you have $6,000. You take that six thousand, and your accountant is going to offset that against the depreciation in that particular case, so you're paying taxes on two hundred bucks
0: right, now, right. Now your six thousand dollars includes. Your principal payment too, so it's it, correct. It's a little bit more than that, right? But no, it, it, no, but we're making it simplistic in simplistic right? terms. Right. You're correct, it's right?
3: right. Okay, so, so now this is regular depreciation.
0: That's regular. Right? If you this is your, just your normal CP off the street. That's right. what they're going to do for you. HR and CPAs, EAs, they're all going to do it mainly that way. Mainly that way. Okay, got it. Now we're taking it to the next
3: level, which we're talking about an accelerated depreciation, right. or you're basically uh,
0: itemizing the items out. Right. So cost segregation, you can do it one of two ways. You can, when you buy something, you can have each line on your books and records as far as what you pay for the furnace, what you pay for the fixtures, what you pay for the piping. And you have that all listed in your uh, uh, depreciation schedule. Cost segregation will be an engineering study that goes through and says, okay, there's this much in piping, there's this much in drapery, there's much, this much in carpet, and breaks it all down for you in a nice one or two page report going through. It's an engineering study. You have your actual or engineering study. What that will do is when they break it down, your things like your cabinetry and your flooring, it's not depreciable over 27 and a half years. It wears out after 10 years, 15 years. And they call it, you got five-year property, 10-year property, 15-year property. It'll break all that out in those sectors like that. In the past actually 2022 and prior they had what they call bonus depreciation where if you had 15 year property you can write it off in the first year right so you can get a, a vast deduction of depreciation against all your income and carry it forward from an accounting standpoint the irs even looks at cost segregation as the proper way to do it because now you're breaking out the parts of the of the house. Right. Um. They want to know what your pipes are, what your electrical is, and what your roof is, how much is for the roof. Because let's say five, 10 years from now, you go to replace the roof. If you are under the regular 27 and a half years, you can't just write off half of your purchase price. You have to then do a study and say, oh, how much was that roof when you bought it? Or you just have to take that roof and depreciate it from then on, in addition to your purchase price. So... The cost segregation does help you out in the future because now you can match up your new uh, fix up cost against what you bought it for.
3: So when I made a comment initially, like a lot of times people look at it as found money. This is from my perspective. So accountant's perspective is going to be different. My my perspective is as real estate investors, our job is to buy good quality investment properties, Mm -hmm. be it depreciation. Be it um, you know an accelerated depreciation or cost segregation, this is something everybody gets. Mm-hmm. You should talk to a good accountant. You should talk to a good CPA and get this. But to buy a property just because I'm going to get depreciation, or to buy a property just because uh, I get uh, tax advantages, that makes no sense, right? The important part is: Am I buying a good quality property? Am I buying a big investment to begin good investment to begin with, and then all the advantages. Follow through, just like appreciation, right? Appreciation is going to happen if you buy a good quality property.
0: And let's go back on this property here. So of this, you had $200 of income. right? Using the cost segregation, just in general, you'd have a $15,000 tax loss. Tax loss, yeah, right.
3: So now, so if I have a income somewhere else, that's a significant amount of income, I can offset that against this tax loss. Maybe.
0: Okay, so explain that. So... There's different types of real estate people out there. Okay. If you make more than $150,000, you're considered a passive investor. Right. This additional depreciation would not help you out if you don't have other passive income coming through. So you gotta have passive income uh, matched with your passive expenses or vice versa. If you're under 150, the max you can take out is a net of $25,000 a year. Uh, and that's where the tax advantage Sure. Comes right. people sure. look at. Absolutely. Um, and then if you're an active real estate professional which is a harder thing to do then you can write off everything but it's harder to do it's more technical and things of that type so basically let's explain what does an active real estate professional
3: mean that your time and your income and that to 80, what is the what is the break part of it where you considered an active
0: real estate investor 750 hours devoted to real estate business And not from a W-2 real estate business. It has to be, you have to be
1: 1099
0: or you own the business or things of that type. And plus you have to have more hours in that real estate business than any other business. So let's say I'm a, my CPA business, I'm a W-2 salaried employee on that. That's 2,000 hours a year, more 2,000, maybe 3,000 hours (laughs) per year. There's no way I, I can get over 750 hours. But there's no way I can have more hours than my CPA business. So I I would not qualify. If you are married and your spouse is a stay-at-home person, uh, he or she, depends on what's going on, might be a real estate agent. And if that's all they do, and they're not a W-2 real estate agent, 1099 real estate agent, then they might be able to qualify because one half of the couple is fully, it's fully, dedicated fully dedicated to dedicated. real estate. Yeah. Right. And, that, mean, and that, that covers every, both got
3: it. So say someone like you, my job is real estate, mm-hmm. right? Full time. That's what I do all the time, right? So then I can justify that because I'm legitimately in that particular business, right? Uh, for you, you're an accountant and a real estate investor, but for your personal income, a bunch of it obviously comes from your business and this is on the side, as right. we can say. It's it, still right? a side business. Yeah, yeah, it's a side business as far as your rental income. Okay.
0: So we kind of uh talked that the other thing on cost segregation. Sure. You don't lose let's say you don't can't use the whole twenty-five thousand hour loss that right. you it will carry, carry forward, forward into okay. future years. Right. And like I said, you also have the benefit of when you sell it, now you know what you're selling. You, you, carpeting, you know, it's not carpeting, but there's some price to it, so you're not gonna be paying taxes on that. And then if you're fixing it up and you gotta redo the carpeting three or five years from now, you can just take that uh Direct write-off. You know what's Correct. going on with it. Yeah, that I, I, a... I really like cost segregation. And the other thing too, you don't have to cost segregate every property that you have. You can pick and choose what you want to do. Right. And then you can even do it for the past properties too, if you if you run into something in the future.
3: Right, and and uh, I personally am of the opinion that initially when you start, keep it simple. Right. Start. Accumulating something, start accumulating the properties. Don't get bent out of shape over a lot of taxes. Over, guys, listen. Unless you're making some money, you don't have to worry about those things. Right. Right. If you're genuinely, I mean, if you are making a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, and you buy good quality real estate, believe me, there's a lot of tax advantages you're inherently going to get because you own a lot of real estate. Right, So you don't have to spend. But what I see happening a lot of times, John, is that there's a huge group of people who spend nonsense amount of time worrying about the taxes, worrying about, oh, my God, what if this happens? They don't actually do any real estate. Mm -hmm. And yet they're all the time is spent in nonsense things. Right? It's like when you open a business, it's really exciting. Put your logo on there, get business cards made, get all this nonsense done rather than going and making some sales right in, yes, in, and, and, and that becomes really really important and it's not
0: for the beginner person i mean right. basically just like you're you you do not have to have your structure set up ahead of time i would not do a cost segregation study right. on the first house that you get right.
3: uh, yeah, that you can grow into it and start creating some income first and then make sure you get a good uh, accountant good person to give you good advice Right? So that you can actually do that. So having said that, John, this has been uh, really great. Uh, any points that I did not touch on that
0: I missed that you had in your notes? Nope. Uh, you cut, touched on everything from that standpoint. Right. Uh, but if you just offset off of the real estate side, just when you're doing a your tax return this year, and we saw this too, the charitable contributions last year, if you, it would flow through $300 per person if you didn't itemize that's gone. So, <laughs> and there's uh, some other ones that change, but that's the main one that shows up. finding.
3: Got it. Great. So um, obviously if you're from mastery, you know how to get in touch with uh, John, right? Um, if you are not, uh, you want to put out your number? Sure. Uh,
0: I'm, I'm not cheap though. I, right, if you okay. got one or two properties, uh, we, we're not picking you up. Okay. Got it. Uh, but uh, 630-690-0995 is the office number. And uh, tell me from mastery and get get hold of me, but, uh, it's uh, 630-690-0995. 0995.
3: Uh, and it's John Pizzuno. John, this has been a pleasure. Uh, congratulations, number one, on your success. Thank you. Um, and what you have achieved. So because a lot of times I've picked on uh, accountants, attorneys, and my point to picking on them is not to, not to pick on them. It's just to say that, guys, listen, be very careful who you take advice from because you want to take advice from good professionals, but they need to understand what do you really do? And are they tailoring their specific advice to what you do? Because if they've walked your shoes, they're better able to help you and they're able to better help their clients in that profession.
1: I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Flow for Life podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. Achieving financial freedom is all about creating the necessary cash flow in your life. Our team has designed an entire ecosystem for you to be able to not only become a successful real estate investor, but for you to build higher cash flows month after month. Join our community at www.nationalreinvest.com to see which event is coming up that you can be a part of and how you can be a part of our community. Once again, it's www.nationalreinvest.com. We will see you on the next episode.